What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the main stand, episode 16. I am one of your hosts, Patrick, joined today, as always, by Mitch and Josh. No special guests today, uh, just, you know, the standard crew. How's everybody doing today? Not ideal. Not great. Yeah, doing pretty poor. a tough week to be a Revs fan. Uh, If anybody followed along on the uh, Instagram story, I was at Gillette Stadium for the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, It was a tough, tough match. It was a great match to watch. Uh, Very exciting. Uh, But uh, unfortunately, the Revs fall to New York City FC. Uh, Regular uh, regular time, finish 1-1. Couple of quick goals. Not much to say for the rest of the match. A lot of back and forth. Uh, first half of extra time finishes uh, without an, uh, a, a new, another goal. <clears throat> and then second half, New York comes out, gets a quick one. And then Tejon Buchanan with a late, late stunner. I think there was like two minutes left in the yeah, game. Yeah, 118th minute. Um, is able to net one to tie it up, send the Revolution and New York to penalties, unfortunately. Uh, the Revs fall, was it 5-3 uh, in Penns? Yeah, Books had his save, and New York took took him first. So, had to save it. Uh, unfortunate, but my only, my only couple of cents on the game is, I think the Revs were a little unfortunate to be playing a team as hot as New York. Uh, and the two weeks off, or three weeks off, definitely didn't help them at all going into Not that game. Uh, I mean, they looked good. They definitely looked like they were fighting for it the entire time. You know, the whole 120 minutes, they they were in it. I think the crowd helped a lot. I could tell from my home that it was one of the first times in a long time that Gillette Stadium was rocking. It was um, a loud Tuesday night. I was pleasantly surprised to see how many people turned out. I didn't see the final uh, the final count, but there were a lot of people there, it looked like. Uh, my last comment is, will Tejon Buchanan ever get a call? Doesn't he already have a call? I'm yet? saying he was getting fouled all night. And oh, the oh, was oh, doing yeah. Nothing. No, that like th- the officiating was so one-sided. And it I was, think that's, I think it's just poor. I think it was MLS poor. It was officiating has just been bad all year. And that's it, the last thing I'm going to say about the refereeing. I don't think it was as bad as the game we went to the, the Miami game. I don't think it was as bad. I think it was a, a playoff official. Like, they let them play a lot more. It was a very physical game. Right. But but I, there were a couple of tackles that came in that were, like, there was one right in front of us on Gustavo Bo that we thought was a penalty. Like, clear as day, and it never got looked at. So uh, I think the one you're referring to, they played on TV, and it was not a foul. I think I know the challenge you're talking about, and that one actually, I was – in the same boat if we're thinking about the same challenge it was it was like in the 70 ish yeah yeah they showed it on tv it wasn't wasn't so so from the angle that i was at because it was right like kind of on the edge like of the box like on the touch or on the goal line yeah and we were only four rows back like it was like right in front of us so the angle that the tackle came in it just looked bad from where yeah, we were. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you, but it looks you know, so bad. Is is what it is. I'm gonna, I'm going to tip my cat yeah. to New York. You know, they're a good side. Uh, give it up I don't know. Him. I don't know how they're going to do in the next round uh without uh Castellanos, I think that's how you pronounce his name. 
Him getting that I red card is not going to help him. Um, he deserved it way rooting, earlier. I mean, yeah. I will be rooting for Real Salt Lake for the remainder of the playoffs. <laughs> I want them to get there. They have, they're like the Revs. I don't think they've ever won it yet. And they're kind of like the fairy tale story now. So I will be rooting for RSL for the remainder of the tournament. I, I just had a very long drive back to Maine. Long, sad drive. I haven't finished my grieving process yet. So I'll I'll pick a team for next week, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Now hopefully they don't lose before we get to do it. <laughs> um, uh, real quick, um, I do also just want to say that if you haven't yet listened to the mini-sode before we really you know get into the the meat of this episode here, uh, definitely go do that. Mitchell and Josh took time out of their uh, their busy Saturdays to record an interview with a very good friend of the podcast named Lucas. Uh, West Ham fan from the Netherlands. Uh, they did a, a fucking awesome job on that episode. Um, so if you haven't heard that yet, it's like 35 minutes, 40 minutes, go listen to that and then come back to this episode. But Mitch and Josh killed that one. And we just want to say, uh, you know, appreciations to Lucas for doing that with us. Um, and if anybody else out there wants to get on the, on the pod, uh, either do like a, another mini sode with us on like a really specific topic or just come join and, be a guest on a full-length episode uh hit us up on social media get at any of our twitter our instagram uh just get a hold of us and we'll be happy to kind of work that out so just wanted to make that known before we tuck into the episode and last little bit of housekeeping josh yeah uh, are we going to vegas soon are we we going to vegas soon dude i think we have seven picks tonight we're but last week most importantly we went five for six our best week yet we're starting to hit these high percentages when we do a little bit of more research we're finding that our picks uh you know end up doing a lot better than just when we wing it so i think that maybe we are a logistics company maybe we are i think we're We're getting there the only the only one i missed was the chelsea man united game i had chelsea minus one and a half and that one obviously ended in a draw I'll take it. Anytime Chelsea drop points right now, I'm happy with. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, first order of business for episode 16. You guys can see it on the sidebar if you're watching it on YouTube. And if you're not, but you're watching this, you probably know that uh, Lionel Messi won his seventh Ballon d'Or uh, over the past week. And it's kind of been a topic of conversation. So before I give my two cents on it, uh, because we all know that I have opinions. How do you guys feel about it? Was it a deserved Ballon d'Or? Do do we think that Leo deserved number seven? Do we think it should have gone elsewhere? Um, and then we, after that, I have some, you know, placing finishes I'd like to discuss. So yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to, we'll, we'll start th- with, do you guys think Leo should have won? I think it was a fine, you know, it's fine for Leo to win. You know, we'll read down the list for just those of you who don't know. It went Messi, Lewandowski, Jorginho, Benzema, Angolo Conte, Ronaldo, Sala, Kevin De Bruyne, Kylian Mbappe, Donnarumma, and Erling Holland. Those are the top 11. Um, I think it's fine that Messi won it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we did our little Balloon d'Or preview. Um, and I said that, you know, Messi winning it's fine for the past year. I, I do think where they didn't give... Uh, a Ballon d'Or out over the year before. I do think Lewandowski kind of deserved to win one. This was kind of right. one of those years where like no one really screamed as the winner, so it's kind of tough. It, it's felt it definitely felt like a pretty open Ballon d'Or year. Um, I do I do think again that Lewandowski deserved a Ballon d'Or, but I think he deserved a Ballon d'Or last year. Yeah. Um, 
I think if that if they if they didn't cancel the Ballon d'Or in 2020 and they gave Lewandowski his award, um, Messi would be making less head. No, excuse me. Oh my God, uh, less headlines for this win. But I, I I do also think that Messi should have won the Ballon d'Or this year. Um, I think at the end of the day, the Ballon d'Or is an individual award based on individual accomplishments, and Messi's individual 2021 really spoke for itself um golden boot in la liga 28 man of the match awards last year on top of the golden ball in the copa america golden boot in the copa america la liga golden boot uh individually messi had a pretty standard messy year and maybe it felt average for someone like him but anybody else that puts up 41 goals 17 assists two golden boots a player of the tournament award um you're you're putting them in the conversation for Brown or you're forcing that conversation. So I think when you look at it like that, Messi definitely did deserve to win the seventh this year. That being said, harsh on Lewandowski. I think he had a, a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal 2021 as well as a phenomenal 2022 or 2020. Sorry. He's, he's really had a phenomenal three-year stretch. And I think yeah, he's he's kind of gotten the, he's gotten the shaft with COVID kind of putting a halt on things. I do yeah. think more last year, if it was 2020 and it was normal, Lewandowski would have had the Ballon d'Or locked up. Yeah, but I, I think I think the points you made, I, I mean, he wholeheartedly deserves second place in in this competition as well. In, in absolutely, the, in the yeah. So I don't think anybody can argue that. Um, as we go down the list, I think I have some some things that I don't. Oh, I've got opinions. I've got opinions. I've, on I've got some opinions, but. No, I, I I agree with you, Pat. I think just based on those individual achievements that Messi's had over the last year, um, also transitioning to a new side, still maintaining some level of normalcy. Um, I, I I just I think it was his year, and I think it was deserved yeah. for a seventh round. I, I think sure. it was deserved. I also will note that if Lewandowski had won this award. I would be making the same argument for him. I think yep. both of them were very very worthy winners of this year's Ballon d'Or. So. Is what it is. Uh, that being said, Lionel Messi is the greatest of all time. Let's stop forcing this debate for any of you out there that want. So why don't we all debate. go around and give our take of like what or who was misplaced either too high or too low? Jorginho. Uh, Ruben Diaz. Oh, that's a good shout. He was 26, 24? 20 tied for 26. Now just hear me out for a second, guys. You look at – I'm not comparing them as players. I would like to make that very known right now. But you look at the push for Virgil van Dijk's Ballon d'Or in 2019. Ruben Diaz won a league title. And again, I know I said individual, individual should come first. But everything as a whole, you look at everything that got Virgil van Dijk second place for the Ballon d'Or, won the Champions League. Uh, was that the, Did you guys win the Premier League or was that the... We won the Premier the League the year after. Yeah, so won the Champions League, second place in the Premier League, PFA Player of the Year. Uh, did he win Football Writers that year, or was that De Bruyne? I believe that was De Bruyne, but he definitely won Defender of the Year. Yeah, UEFA Defender of yep. the Year. So scooped up individual awards, won a big trophy with his club, had a great individual year. Ruben Diaz did that last year, and he finished 26 in voting. I think Ruben Diaz probably should have been where Kevin De Bruyne is, if we're being totally honest. 
I don't think KDB had a top 10 Ballon d'Or year last year. Um, I think that Diaz should be in that in that spot where De Bruyne was because he was much more integral to the success that City found over that last year. Um, I would have probably put De Bruyne somewhere in the like high teens, maybe like 12th or 13th. I don't think he was top 10 last year. Um, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that Ruben Diaz should be that top 10 player. I don't know if I'd put Holland in the top 10 quite yet. He was just top outside 11. 11. Yeah, the 11th. 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 Um, I, I, feel, I feel like maybe like 15, 16, but like, I feel like people have been so caught up with the achievements that he's had solely in the champions league. And like, I'm not really familiar outside of, of that, what his stats were in the Bundesliga, but I feel like a lot of Holland right now is just attention because of who he is, not the player he is. And I think it's going to take some time for him to actually establish being that close into the running doing what he's done over the last couple of seasons. No, I guess I can, I can understand that. Um, I think Holland was uh, very good last year, just pulling up some statistics on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bundesliga, uh, 27 goals and eight man of the match awards just in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's second in man of the match awards and third in scoring. Um, again, Lewandowski, top of all of those right. charts um obviously much better player um i don't know i i guess I, I i think what you're saying is fair um 11 might be a little high for holland all things considered um, is it maybe but, just because he's the second best striker in the bundesliga <laughs> and you get probably uh no not in the world i think Benzema's the second best striker yes. in the world um that's another player who might feel a little hard done even though he came in fourth, is Benzema. He had an amazing year. Amazing year. You could argue that he had a better individual year than Jorginho. I, absolutely, I would say. And that's and that's why I don't think Jorginho deserved that third place finish. No, I think. Okay, I think I think Jorginho's third, third place is like, finish is kind of where PR comes into play for a lot of this stuff, like seeing Ronaldo in sixth place. Yeah, what did Ronaldo do to get sixth? Uh, I don't Ronaldo. know, man. Uh, golden Golden Boot in Syria, right? That was about it. They didn't they did win. The Syria. Yeah, didn't win the Syria. But, yeah, and you know, just looking at it from my my look at it, it from like just like an individual standpoint, yeah. he won the Golden Boot in the Syria. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that top six is. I think again, a, a lot to do with PR, and you see a lot of PR go into these Ballon d'Or rankings. Um, you know. Salah probably should have been a little bit higher. Uh, Benzema probably – you can make an argument for Benzema being in third place on, like, a strictly individual level. Um, but with everything that Jorginho won over the past couple of years – or over the past year, I don't think it's unfair to say that he deserved his spot uh, maybe on it's, the podium. Maybe it's the bias because it was, like, yeah, Jorginho's year for Ballon d'Or, like – I think, I think a lot, yeah. That was kind of like a, a big PR push to win him yeah. a Ballon d'Or, um, which maybe is why it feels like a little bit annoying to see him there because it worked. Um, but ultimately, um, he had a good year. He had a really good year, and he is a good player. So I'm not upset that he's there. Um, I think in, in a lot of ways it is deserved, uh, and it's interesting to see the you know the Messi and Ronaldo era slowly ending. There's 
I feel like there's gonna be a lot more um like shakeups in these in these top tens and uh and things like that. So I think mine, not... mine that was really overrated, I think, uh and it's the one lower down the list, but Donna Roma getting in the top ten, I think is a robbery from Edward Mendy. Yeah, that's the, the He also won the goalkeeper of the year award. Yeah, the the Yassine Bay the Yassine yeah. Award, right? Yeah. I think that was a robbery. I think that should have been Mendy's award, 100%. Yeah, and just to get in the top 10 of the, the Ballon d'Or rankings, I think, I mean, that's an honor in itself, and I think Mendy should have been the one that was there because he made all the difference for Chelsea, you know, in that second like, half. I didn't realize Donnarumma is only 22. Yeah, he's, he's young. He's young, and he's, young he and he's, he's been around forever. It, uh, it feels like he's been, like, in every FIFA I've ever fucking played, like, I, think like, he has, I, I swear to God, I thought he was 35 years old. Nah, he's just been around for a while. Very, <laughs> very seasoned player. Um, I don't know. He did. He did win Player of the Tournament in the Euro. Uh, so you kind of have to give him that. But I, I think him being in that top 10 is very much an international tournament cycle year. Winning the winning the Player of the Tournament was like a shoe in to get him into the top 10. I think, and that's probably the only reason that he's in the top 10, honestly. Yeah, it's um, also French football, and, you know, I'm not going to say it outright, but, you know, they're a little corrupt for some reasons, and you see players of some nationalities higher up the list than others, so that, that's my percent on it. Yeah. Is, Ma- no. is Mendy French? No. Where, where is, what's his nationality? Who? Senegal? Uh, that right? Was, yeah, Senegal. Senegal. He's in Monet. Senegal, yeah. So... I mean, we kind of saw Mane snub a couple of years ago too, so maybe maybe it has something to do with that French corruption. But I was like, I was, I thought to myself, I thought Mendy was French for a second or played. No, with. there's two other French Mendys. That's exactly. why. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So I think that's really about it. We have for the Ballon d'Or. Um. Justice for my man Ruben Diaz. <laughs> that yeah, that is pretty bad. Now that you mentioned that one, Pat, I kind of forgot about that over the past couple of days. Yeah, it just it just seemed ridiculous to me. Twenty sixth place, man. Like I get it, I get it. It's an international tournament year, but twenty sixth place for the year that he had. That just seems hard. That seemed very harsh to me. I mean, it's not like Portugal did anything. Exactly, on the national but stage. He was really good for the club. And yes, not discrediting that. Yeah, it's just tough. It's it's tough with it being an international year. Um, and not him not really having the PR of some of these guys that are in the top 10 that were stellar for club and didn't necessarily do anything um, on the international level as well. Uh, but uh, that's, that's really about all we had for the Ballon d'Or. Um, you know, let us know uh, what you think of the Ballon d'Or. Shoot us a, you know, con- converse with us after you listen to this episode. Got snubbed. Me too. <laughs> I think Sammy Nassery just got huge. He's a thick boy. <laughs> Uh, so outside of the Ballon d'Or, moving into what we tend to talk about here, uh, being the Premier League and whatnot, um, the Premier League title race is starting to shape up, and we uh, are in what feels like a three-horse race um, with hey. seven points being between third and fourth place now, and then the top three being separated by three points, points. Two, two points, points or three, three points. 
we're one point behind Chelsea, and you guys are I think two, two behind two? us. So yeah, yeah it's, I think I think it's one point each. Top three is separated by three points, and uh, you know it just feels like the the best of the rest, and then the title race between City, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, first question I have for you guys, um, again because uh, I have opinions, is. Who do you feel now where we're heading into like the really congested winter fixtures? Um, who do you feel is going to come out the best uh, from these fixtures? Who do you think? Because after winter, I think it's really going to start shaping up who is the, the clear favorite. Um, how do you guys feel going in? I guess from a Liverpool standpoint first and then just from, you know, overall. After. I kind of I want to see what the upcoming fixtures are for, for everyone real quick. City have I a think, really easy I think while Mitch does that, I, I'll kind of speak on Liverpool for a second. Kind of depends a lot on AFCON and how that affects us. I've saw different things that say Kaita and Salah are only only possibly going to miss two games. I don't know how exactly that works. Um, that's uh, supposedly the rumors I've saw on Twitter. It really depends how many games you know they miss. Liverpool have so much momentum right now. I think City do as well. The one team I think that is going to fall a little bit over the holiday fixtures is Chelsea. They just play it so tight that eventually you will break down and you know concede some goals. Um, mm-hmm. I just have a hard time seeing them being as consistent as City and Liverpool, especially on the goal-scoring front, because City and Liverpool just dump in goals, especially Liverpool as of late. So I kind of you know favor the two who have kind of led us over the past few years. I favor them more than Chelsea. I think it's going to be neck and neck, you know, um, down the run up. Yeah, um, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think that, especially with Afcon, I think that City have the easiest run going through the winter here. Um, with us only losing Mares to Afcon, uh, I, I don't really think it's going to be that big of a loss. Uh, we've got Grealish, Foden, and De Bruyne all coming back from injury slash COVID heading into the winter here too. Um, and it looks like, you know, a, a bold, maybe not a prediction, but a, a bold, yeah, a bold prediction I have heading into the winter too, especially if City saw a uh, sell Ferran Torres, which is the rumor. Um, if we actually get 60 million for Ferran Torres this winter, I think City bringing a striker in the January window and then things start to get really interesting. Mm. Who do you think they bring so, in? Um, so my thoughts are either Mitch's boy over in Fiorentina trades the purple for the sky blue or city just go ahead and immediately trigger Holland's release clause. Mm. That'd be tough to deal with. I would shit myself if that happened. I, I think we we can probably talk about this as it gets closer to the summer window too. But as of right now, I think city are actually the front runners for Holland, all things considered. Um, so I've pulled up. The next five, because there's five fixtures left until we're at the halfway point. We all play Wolves, Villa, and each other. Uh, January 2nd, Chelsea-Liverpool. January 15th, City-Chelsea. Personally, I think with AFCON, if things shake out the way they're meant to. I think Liverpool are clearly the ones handcuffed the most out of the three. Um, Just with where our team is at health-wise, 
right now. We, we kind of need that extra depth a little bit more. Um, I haven't heard any update on, on Harvey Elliott, but we're, we have Bobby out until mid December now. So we have a couple more weeks without Bobby. So we'll probably see him uh, around the 19th uh, of December, that midweek game or uh, sorry, that uh, end of the week game. It's a regular weekend. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I have to agree with Pat. If things are consistent right now, I think city have the best chances, especially if they sign Torres or, or get rid of Torres and are able to sign somebody in the, that, that, um, winter tra- transfer window. I don't know if Chelsea, I don't know what's going on with Chelsea right now. I don't know if it's, they just play that terrorist ball defensive they're not going out attacking and getting a bunch of goals or that that being said though not to cut you off Mitchell yeah yeah, yeah. writing them off does feel wrong it does I think they're they're the second highest scoring team in the Premier League this year despite playing terrorist ball and yeah they're the second highest scoring team and they have the highest goal differential so they Mm -hmm. score the most and they can see the second most concede the less the 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 least the least the leastest I went to public school, all right, everybody. But <laughs> we got that. So central main education. Thinking about that, it's really tough to sit here and say with confidence that Chelsea are going to come out the worst. Um, I, I, I think don't think they, they will. Lose, I think they're the middle of the pack right now. Oh, I think if they lose Mendy to Afcon, that's uh, they're gonna be huge. Have a couple of tough games without you know that presence in the net for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a toss up between Liverpool and Chelsea for who are going to be, who are going to struggle the most going, getting through the winter. Um, and then you look at city and it just feels like they're going to kind of do what they did last year and start pulling away, um, in the winter, but I could be wrong. I could be very wrong, but they feel unstoppable right now. Um, so I think the one thing Liverpool does have going for them right now is Thiago's catching form at a great time. Hendo's coming back at a great time and staying hot. Oxlade Chamberlain's looked great linking up in the midfield as of late. Jota's firing on all cylinders. Salah's doing Salah things. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that AFCON doesn't handcuff us as much as I think it's going to. Um, as right. much as as much as that anxiety as a Liverpool fan is kind of lingering right now, um, I don't know. I I want us to have that depth. I think we're gonna have Curtis Jones back pretty soon. Um, we just have some lingering nagging injuries that are are kind of falling at that that wrong time of when we're gonna be expecting players to be leaving. I think we're getting a lot of players coming back from those injuries, though, too. Yes. So yeah. I think the one thing about Liverpool that I want to point out is just how good their offense has been this year. We've kind of not been talked phenomenal. about it as much. Scored 43 goals in 14 games. They're the only side in English history to score at least two goals um, in 18 games consecutively, consecutively across all competitions. They're just scoring at an insane rate right now. Um and, you know, that makes them hard to beat, especially when you have a defense like Liverpool does. They've been caught out a few times here in the, the beginning of the season, giving up some, you know, precarious leads in that 
matter, but I think that's what makes Liverpool so scary is that when their defense does finally click to its fullest potential and, you know, Klopp mm-hmm. gets the most out of them, it makes them a really tough uh, team to beat with, you know, goals coming from all different angles. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that's pretty spot on. Um, I just feel like uh, Chelsea have the best defense. Liverpool have the best offense and city are very clearly the most balanced side. And I think heading into this, this tricky part of the year uh, city kind of having the best of both worlds um, in that 11 is, is going to help them a lot moving forward here. But uh, again, we'll see um, the three, the three teams at the top of the premier league are all so, so good. Um, it can really fall any, any one direction. One team has a bad day and it changes everything too. So uh, yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited to see how the rest of the season turns out. Um, and there's three games separating third and fourth right now, and West Ham sitting in fourth with a point advantage over Arsenal, who have a point over Tottenham, who have a point over United and Wolves. Yeah, it's oh, still oh, oh. super super tight. Well, no just the golfing there. class though. Like that's why we had three horse race on the graphic. Yeah. Is like yeah, while the points they're not like an insane difference. The golfing class and quality is insane, and you just see that like when you turn the games on. Like Liverpool, mm-hmm. Chelsea, and Man City are so much technically better than any other team in the Premier League, and it's so visible. I think yeah. they're just the most established right now. They're the most comfortable. They don't have the question marks. They don't have. They have the consistency um, from a managerial perspective. They have the, the the managers putting out the best week in and week out, and they know how to use the bench and uh, the reserves to their advantage for sure. Yeah. I, think, I think that sets them apart from the rest. That is something interesting to point out too um, about these top sides. You know, City and Liverpool in particular, but I also really feel like Chelsea have found their man in Tuchel. If you look at these top sides, Chelsea or not Chelsea, City and Liverpool are the only two that have had a consistent manager for the past four or five years. Like, mm-hmm. and that that's showing that those two clubs like found their guy, and it, it's clearly, you know, paying dividends to you know get the right guy in there. And interested to see how United shape out under uh, Rag Rick Ragnick the Ragnarok the the villain from Ragnarok. Thor that guy um <laughs> what a I'm game this to afternoon how- too we're so recording this on thursday night that game uh this afternoon between man united and arsenal was a cracker yeah it was really good mcguire really lucky enough to give away that penalty on tommy asu um ronaldo scores his 800th <laughs> and uh united walk away with three points um are they gonna make the top six this year i think they i think they have every ability to I don't think it's time to count them out yet, uh, for sure. Close, yeah. But I, I we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think we really just wanted to touch on the, the big three right now and just kind of talk about Car- Carrick was at the helm, right? Yep, yeah, it's Carrick for now. Yeah, I think I think Ragnick is next next week. Yeah. Or this weekend we'll see him. Um, I think it was work permit stuff. They were, they were having trouble getting him in. Jesus and whatnot. Um, before we leave, uh, let's Mitchell. Uh, how's the weather looking over in uh, in Fiorentina? Oh, buddy bad what do you mean bad what you are you talking about you lost to empoli fucking last weekend okay yeah we lost to empoli however the boys in purple are sitting comfortably in sixth place place tied 
with uh, who are they tied with right You're now? You're tied with three other teams on the same amount of points, and one of them is Juve. Comfortable doesn't sound comfortable to me, that's, Mitchell. That's, it that's, sounds that's, shaky. That sounds like a nice sunny and seventy-five day to me. Um, same goal differential as Juve too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Vlavic has been. Uh, saving grace. Hopefully he stays to this transfer window. Doubt it's going to happen, but um, he's been my saving grace this year. Uh, right now, sitting on 24 points, tied with Bologna and and Juve, uh, just one point behind Roma in fifth. Um, did drop to Empoli, however, won three one over Sampdoria. Ooh. Oh, you've got Bologna on Sunday, though. That's a big game. That's a That's huge a big match. game. Yeah, catch, catch 6.35. Catch me up rooting for Bologna at 6.30 in the morning. <sighs> That's going to be an early one, but I'm going to need to do it. going to need to do it. Support the boys in purple. You know, we do it. We do it uh, on FIFA when we're, when, when we're using the purple controller. And that's the Florence forecast. Expect uh, yeah. expect some clouds this weekend. It's going to be a stormy weekend fighting for sole possession of sixth place. <laughs> sole possession. When is – uh, right. wait, wait. Who is who is Juve playing this weekend? Juve's you playing know, Genoa. Yeah, so not someone hard. So we're going to fly through some games <laughs> here. Rick's picks, we have seven – um, this week, so we're looking to kind of repeat the same uh, results as last week. I didn't have time to handicap all these, so these are a little bit off the cuff. West Ham and Chelsea. I have West Ham draw no bet at plus 245. I think these odds are insane. Chelsea have slipped up. They were drawn or level with Watford just uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, and they obviously dropped points against Man United. I think West Ham have dropped a couple too, so I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Um, and if West Ham pull a draw, you get your money back. So that one, I'm pretty fine with that. Liverpool Wolves. Um, I've rode Liverpool minus 1.5 for like four matches in a row, and it's worked every single time, so I'm hitting it again. And it's plus 120, so plus odds on Liverpool winning by two. Um, if it isn't broke, we're not going to fix it, baby. Yeah, no. exactly. We're right. I mean, like, the, la- the last few weeks feels like like a guarantee of at least four Liverpool goals. Yeah, it's just it's just obvious lately. That's the mm-hmm. easiest way to put it. Um, and next we have Villa at, versus Leicester. This one's going to be at Villa Park in Birmingham. I think this is going to be a, a class game. Just Gerrard versus Broge on the sidelines. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. I think it's going to be an offensive shootout. So we're doing over 2.5 goals, minus 120 odds. So this, this one is the favored pick. Um, but I think this one's going to be a goal fest. Villa and Leicester have goals kind of all over when they're both playing well. Um, Fulham and Bournemouth, we're dipping down into the championship. Uh, this one's a big one because Fulham are in first place right now. Bournemouth are in second. Um, they're just separated by, I believe, a point. So Bournemouth, if they win, could jump to first. Um, Fulham's offense is just ridiculous. Mitrovic has already scored, like, 21 goals. Um, he's getting shouts from, like, Villarreal, Juve, and Bayern, which is Yo, insane. Mitrovic insane. to Juve. It's <laughs> insane. Um, so I have the Fulham money line, minus 110. Okay, we're back, and we're going to finish these three games in a jiffy. 
So Real Sociedad and Real Madrid, that's a big one in Spain this week. Uh, Real Madrid have won seven in a row. Um, I'm going to take their money line plus 120. I think that's really good odds, even though Sociedad have been uh, on form as well. We have Dortmund-Bayern in the Bundesliga. That's a big one. I have Bayern, Bayern uh, the money line on this, minus 125 as an easy, easy pick. I think Dortmund just Spank are it. at it. Yeah, put all your money on that pick, honestly. Um, and then Roma Inter as my last match for Serie A. Um, I have the Inter money line plus 100. Inter have you know haven't lost a game in recent time, so I uh, I think they'll win pretty easily over Jose's side. Yep, pretty straightforward. Yeah, about right. Yeah, well, let's hopefully uh, this get. Has been a wild ride. Um, to say the least. Any closing statements, boys? Or are we gonna let everybody go on with their Fridays? Uh, I just want to say I love every one of you who tunes in and listens to us. Um, Pat wants to kiss you all. We're not uh, a logistics company still. No, We're not a logistics company, not a computer software not. engineering firm. Um, I'm an idiot sitting in his living room. Oh, any any uh, Aston Villa fans out there? December 11th, Villa Liverpool. Yeah. We'd love to get your thoughts from the Villa perspective on Gerard as your new manager. All right. That does it for episode number 16 of the main stand. Thank you for all listening. Um, subscribe to the pod if you haven't. Uh, deuces. Deuces.